Hi there, and welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. This is the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from all around the world. And I really hope this episode finds you well. You're doing okay wherever you are on the planet. These are interesting times. And so I've got an interesting podcast to share with you from a really interesting guy who created probably one of the most profound, insightful, mind-bending pieces of art I've ever seen. And I know that's one heck of a statement, but I mean it. I'm talking to Lubomir Arsov, who is a Bulgarian artist based in Toronto in Canada. He created this film called In Shadow, which is about 13 minutes long. And as I'm prone to do in the evenings after a long day of painting in the studio, after training at the gym, and after I've had my dinner, I open up that laptop and I start looking at YouTube clips and things that I'm interested in. And this thing came up one day. And it completely just blew me away. This was an animated film, only 13 minutes, but it perfectly summed up and tied a bow around the world the way it is today. At least as I see it, and as several million people who have also seen the film, they seem to see it this way also. This film explores beyond the veil and dares to show things that aren't talked about in today's society. Lubomir is somebody who really has his finger on the pulse. And so after seeing this and being seriously challenged, really inspired at the same time, interesting combination of emotions, I wanted to reach out to him and ask him all about this. I've been going through my own journey of trying to figure out what the truth is behind the world. Naturally, this leads me down some rabbit holes on the internet that some might even consider conspiracy theories, but to me, I don't really pay much attention to that label. But I've been seeking for a long time, and there was something about this film in particular that really spoke to me. So I reached out to him, not thinking I would hear anything back, because this film has blown up online. I mean, it's huge, and He's an extraordinary artist, as is the case with many of the artists that I talk to on this show. He graciously agreed to be interviewed, and um, I wanted to ask him not only about this film and what inspired him to make such a thing, but I also wanted to ask him about where he finds himself today, how he got here, his creative journey, his inspiration. And this is one of those conversations, as is the case with many of the episodes of The Creative Endeavor one of those conversations that goes just about everywhere. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I know I say that, but there's something about connecting with artists all over the planet that I think lifts me up. And I hope it does the same for you too. So I got a lot out of this. I really hope you're going to get a lot out of this too. And maybe it might even start you off on your own journey of questioning things and looking beyond the surface this can be really handy right now, especially. There is so much going on today in the planet. And if we're ever being called to wake up, it's right now. So before we jump into this episode, just go ahead and watch that film in shadow in full first. It's only 13 minutes long and a link to that film is included in the description accompanying this podcast. So without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce the guest for this episode, episode number 33. Here's Lubomir Arsov in the Creative 
endeavor. Lubomir, welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. I'm coming to you from New Zealand. You're all the way in Toronto. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Andrew, for having me here. I look forward to digging deep into um, all sorts of topics related to art, related to um, In Shadow. And it's, uh, it's, it was a stormy day today in Toronto. Um, the thunder and the lightning from here was pretty awesome. Wow. And uh, yeah. We're, we, so uh, hopefully people forgive us if we have a few connection issues. I'm sure, as people can imagine, we're on opposite sides of the planet here. And um, it, it's, it's amazing that we have a connection at all and just have a, a, a chance to talk. Now, people would have seen from the intro, and hopefully people took a chance to just watch that film before we get started in this conversation. So again, I just want to let anybody listening know, if you haven't seen In Shadow yet, watch that film before we, we really dive into this conversation because it will give you context for this. Um, I have to say that that film, uh, Lubomir, was, was the, one of the most, if not the most, impactful pieces of art I have ever seen. I'm not just saying that. You, you had an ability, you, you had this way in, in presenting that. So many things are crammed into that short piece of film that touch on so many different topics about what's going on in today's world. And it is confronting, it is dark, it is it has just got so many different layers to it. But it was just bang on. And like they say, a picture's worth a thousand words. Man, that is an encyclopedia right there in 13 minutes. It is, it is just simply an incredible piece of art. Um, I want to ask you all about it. And I do want to dive deep into that film. But let me just ask uh, to, to, to just kick things off here. How did you start making art? Like, what, tell us about your story and your beginnings. Because obviously, you know, you're an amazing artist. You've got an amazing style and an amazing communication method. Like, so what, what really kicked off your art journey for you? Mm. Um, well, first of all, thank you for the huge compliment. I, I really appreciate that. And I respect your work and your thoughts. So that's, thank you for that. Um, and my journey into art started with uh, a lot of doodling. I've always had a predisposition toward the visual medium. And um, I guess understanding those things around me, mostly humans, animals, objects, through drawing them, through interpreting them. And my sense for uh, just a general visual aesthetic was was always present. I used to copy a lot of art that inspired me. I loved children's storybooks. Uh, growing up in Bulgaria, pre you know cable TV, we had two channels on television. I um, any of the painted images of fairy tales, um, etc., would really they affected me deep in in my soul and 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 engaged me in a way that that fostered understanding or thrills or fear etc and um from there i uh, you know drawing getting into comic books getting into animation a lot of that uh really thought out crafted aesthetic and storytelling um it all started circulating around my deep desire and this this emerging sense in me that i really felt story uh, storytelling, and I had this impulse to toward emotions, visceral, deep, um, 
light, whatever it is, emotions uh, to be triggered, to be invited out through imagery and through sequential imagery uh, by tailoring them in such a way that we gain access to a, a sequence of events that is meaningly emerging into our our sense of um, of these characters of the situation and something about that and its infinite iterations right storytelling and juxtaposing images is has this infinite quality of possibilities and um, it's the combination of sound visuals that I can control fully and movement through space in the form of film uh, just excites me and I, I believe that that medium is just so powerful and is still not fully explored. Mm. Um, yeah, it just has a lot of potential for for everything, for good, for insight, for, you know, through through entertainment mm. as well. Yeah, it's interesting. You were mentioning, you know, um, fairy tales there. I, I'm, there's, there's such a narrative quality, you know, to your work. And now that you say that it can become it becomes a bit clear that that you you would have been guided to this even as a small child you were just awake and aware and kind of following along i'm curious though um because i reflect a little bit of this myself what were some of the ones that really stuck with you as a fairy tale as a narrative as a child what's something that you remember from your childhood that was just like bang and became part of your your psyche almost oh man Pinocchio is number one by just wow. it's 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 really vivid in my imagination and I haven't thought about it much but there's something about I think this is the you know the esoteric interpretation of that tale um, and I'm gonna try to feel into it is you're born as a puppet <laughs> and how do you find your soul how do you turn into a real human with choices morals consciousness conscientiousness um, and I think there's something about that that hit me when I was a kid as well. You have all these temptations in the world that try to veer you away from the path of truth and 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 self um, self responsibility and unfolding of the truth of who we are, so that we can be fully in the world, not guided, not manipulated by outside forces. And I think there's something about that and the allies, the fairy, Jiminy, you know, the cricket. This is beyond Disney, of course. I, I was not introduced to Pinocchio through Disney. It was actually um, through the original. It was an Italian story with some amazing Italian illustrations. Um, but it's a good question. There are other fairy tales that are not, they're not immediately coming to me. Um, mm. do, you know, do you know one for me? It was... Uh... I don't know where this came from, but there was a story called Three Billy Goats Gruff. <laughs> mm. I don't know why that one stuck with me. But I also, <laughs> I grew up on Aesop's Fables. Uh, and, and again, yeah. Pinocchio, I remember these things. And it seems to be, you know, it, it's it's vital. It's, it's of the utmost importance what we show children because that sticks with you. Mm -hmm. That really sticks with you. Side note, um, mm. It can also do a lot of damage if you if you actually show them some of the wrong things. No offense to my father, but I was allowed to watch the original Alien as a six-year-old, so that became mm. almost a fairy tale or a nightmare to me. But I became obsessed with Alien and Giger after after that. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing how things like stick with us. But so you you've taken this this idea of narrative and and again before we get stuck into the film because i really want to unpack that thing and 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 everything in there and um, your your style 
as an artist, where did you where did you study your craft? Where did you learn mm -hmm. to create images like that? Hmm. How did that come so, about? Yeah, yeah. So I feel I've thought about this and I, I seem to have been guided in a way by my inner compass toward art that was um, just on the side of uh, mainstream uh, pop sensibilities. So that's comic books, animation. However, it's been uh, increasingly more and more informed by my inner, inner, um, inner development and my sort of like greater calibration to truth. So it started out with, um, yeah, I just, I was, I was kind of like a regular kid with loving the Disney films, copying them. Um, there were a lot of, uh, I grew up in Bulgaria. There was some great illustration in there from the fifties and sixties that accompanied a lot of, uh, our picture books as well. Um, then later I got into, um, I don't know if I mentioned comic books again. I got into Frazetta, actually. I learned my anatomy from Frazetta before I went to animation school to a large degree by just uh, copying these heroic figures, um, echoing this uh, classical, you know, Greco-Roman aesthetic of the veneration of the, you know, I, I think I, I'd seen you, you've done something in the Fibonacci sequence. And just mm -hmm. there's something about, about the anatomy of the human body that really inspired me. And I feel that... I'm sure other artists um, have, have said this, but I feel that the human body encapsulates within it all the secrets of drawing and, and, and portraying everything else in the world. It's interconnections, it's rhythm of shapes and flow. Um, but beyond that, I, I, I got into the illustrators of uh, American illustration from the Golden Age, from Howard Pyle to N.C. Wyeth, Dean Cornwell, um, all the way over up into a lot of the 60s, 70s illustrators who had a keen eye for composition, for storytelling, and, and they were very economical in, in their representation of these ideas, uh, you know, before the photographic medium took over. Um, and then I got into, uh, you know, anime has been, um, the older anime has been an influence to me. Um, and just reality overall. So I think there was a point when I, my art was very organic and round. And uh, due to necessity in Toronto at the time when I started my uh, career in 2007, there were mostly projects animated on the program Flash, which which used and still uses very angular designs. That was sort of the thing. So I, I started turning my designs uh, in a more angular style and adapting my sensibility to that, to, to be employable at that time. Uh, and it sort of stuck. And that angularity and that sort of sense of design started um, informing my aesthetic overall. Uh, and then beyond that, I, you know, I got into, I, uh, we haven't spoken about, you know, my trajectory in my career, but I was a character designer for a number of years. And as a character designer, I was kind of tagged to, to draw in different styles. And that was my, I was very excited to try different styles. It was both a frustration and a uh, source of reward. Frustration in that I wasn't really developing a unique style, even though some people may disagree. And I, I was I was frustrated that I couldn't explore all the styles that I found interesting that were emerging from other designers and just from sculpture, whatever it was. Um, but satisfaction in that I was exploring all all this all this stuff. So I don't know if that's enough. Um, mm, maybe I absolutely. Yeah. Can you give me an example of of maybe some of those um, some characters that you've designed for? 
you know, media, television, movies, or, or animated cartoons, or whatever. Like, what, what, what are some of the projects that you were the highlight of your career so far? <laughs> highlight, we, yeah. That's, if we can uh, call it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. See, I, I can't even speak about that. That whole notion. It's, it's interesting about the heights of a career sort of a career uh, achievements. It's, it's interesting. I'd love to touch upon that too. But um, so in my character design career, I did I did a lot of development work, both in Toronto in a boutique uh, studio that I'm actually uh, working with right now called House of Cool. So we did a lot of development, uh, IPs, intellectual properties, as well as in Star Animation, Star's Animation, Arc Animation, and those are, those no longer exist. Um, so a lot of that work was never to be seen. It, it was a, a variety of projects that never saw the light of day. But other than that, I I art directed and designed um, a web series by, for LeBron James, the NBA player. Um, not really proud of that for various reasons, just the way the production uh, went. But that's one thing I designed on. Um, Watchmen had uh, the Watchmen the movie had. Uh, an accompanying animated short that came out with it. I designed on that. That was it was a bit more comic booky. Um, I've done work on. There's an upcoming independent film that I designed most of the characters on from one of my one of my friends, uh, Rodrigo Perez Castro. Uh, it's a Mexican 2D film. I have done I've done work and development for Disney TV for just some DreamWorks stuff and again a lot of it not seeing the light of day um, man see I haven't <laughs> I haven't thought about this uh, the design field in a while I'm, I'm sure I'm missing something mm. something uh, more noteworthy let's ju let's jump into the film because uh, I'm dying to ask you about in shadow <laughs> what compelled you to embark on such a project mm. so it was a deep sense of meaning and purpose with my talent and gift and our responsibility in using it wisely. And this wasn't just a philosophical statement that I worked myself into out of some ethical responsibility. Surely that's there, but it was a felt deep sense of, of that this needed to happen. So I was working on, I was storyboarding on, a, I'm not going to say the project, but it was a big studio film. It, it was a sequel. Um, and <laughs> I was my my work of unveiling the world and how it worked, how I fit into it, and what was happening was reaching um, a boiling point of understanding, uh, in, in which I started through which I started getting this imagery, um, in which I would see I would perceive something in our reality. I would perceive either the injustice or the illusion of it, and then I would get imagery of this these surreal, almost clairvoyant visions of. This is the reality of this, according to my inner symbolic language. So let's say pharmaceutical peddling of, of drugs, et cetera. You know, it could be interpreted one way by the media edifice. However, there's a different reality to it. So a very simple image would, or sequence of images would come to me that would feel so, it, it would really hit me and there would be a knowing. I, I would get a knowing that this is, this is right. This feels good and I need to share this. And so there was a, an accumulation of images as, as I started surveying my understanding, my emerging understanding of all the institutions that created our life and cities and country everywhere else that constructed the sense of normalcy that we were in. 
And as that sense of normalcy started crumbling for me, this sort of this collective consensual reality started crumbling to me. I started noticing the disparity between the way I was experiencing reality and the way my peers and my in-group, my family were experiencing reality. So that disparity brought some separation, aloneness, loneliness, and frustration. And, and that frustration of using my verbal, verbally trying to relate things to people did not work in a way that I felt my visual, um, this visual tapestry would. And so it was from the beginning that it occurred to me that this could be a powerful digital spell with which I could seed ideas in a way that could germinate into a greater sort of like by, by sort of uncompromisingly and unforgivingly showing a barrage of images in a short time, create something in the audience that, that, that would just unearth a whole bunch of processes and activate them hopefully to the point where it could, it would germinate some sort of response that would hopefully inspire the individual to look within, look without, or to, to have more courage to take on the perceived darkness as I, as I see it, as I understand it, and as I propose exists. Um, and, and, and in a way it was, um, it was a call to action to all those beings, humans are, you know, our fellow humans who are inspired by that warrior impulse of truth and compassion for the world. So, wow. Wow. So let me, let me ask then, what, what's the reaction been generally to that film uh, when you have shown your peers? Did it work? Did the communication, did it land? Yeah, it's interesting. It's for most people around me, not quite. I have a select few close people that are just completely in tune. To, you know, they understood it. They got it. And um, in in the animation field, um, you know, some people have responded well to it, but by and large, um, you know, animation, like every industry, it consists of a lot of people following a certain form of conduct, a certain worldview. And um, I, you know, there was, I, there, it didn't hit in a way that um, I think it did with the general audience. Now, the response from the general audience was, has been immense to this day. Yeah. So I deal, I try to be responsive and, and, you know, respond to people whenever I can. But uh, Instagram, Facebook, email, you know, there, I've, I just continue to get powerful correspondence, uh, really affirming of this art. And before I made this piece, I, I questioned uh, the ability of art to actually inspire people in a, in, a, in a functional way. I started questioning that because I would see even here's a powerful film. It it showed us this dynamic of power and intrigue and et cetera. And it showed, showed us some sort of blueprint that we could overlay into all these other situations in the world and make sense of them in a way. Right. And, and I didn't see that happening. Sorry if I'm being a bit vague here, I no, don't no, have no. concrete examples, but so I started losing my, uh, my confidence in, in art as a, as an agent of, of insight and change. But having run this experiment within shadow, I am now confident, it's inspired me to move forward with um, greater intentions. Um, and I've been inspired by the, yeah, by, by the deep, grateful uh, reception and all the insight I've received from the audience as well. The, the reason I, I, I ask, you know, what, what's the effect been on, on people is because I, I'm now personally, 
going to use that film when I email it to people rather than emailing them the links to go, hey, look, okay, we all know about uh, the current um, air quotes pandemic. Uh, we all mm-hmm. know about, uh, you know, these things that have happened in the past. There is an alternative point of view here. There is something else that is running. Now, I, I've said to many people, I've got an idea about this. They're not my own ideas. It's not my original thought or anything, but there are people out there that are truth warriors. Um, I I love that term, by the way. Um, And they're trying to get this out there. A lot of them say this as well. Like, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that it is not what I suspect it is because the thought of it being what I suspect it is, the nature of reality being you know, this, this facade and there's something darker behind that curtain, that is terrifying. And so as I'm trying to give people names, dates, scenarios, proofs, all of this evidence, and I'm just like, and my brain stores it and I just go, oh, that incident that occurred back then. Okay. Did you know this, that, that they were running an operation over here? Did you know that was directed by this organization? Did you know this individual who's tied there and sits on this board of directors and just going through it like an encyclopedia still. Mm -hmm. And then this one guy I was talking to not so long ago says, the media isn't owned. What are you talking about? The media is there mm. to tell us the truth. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Are you seriously kidding me right now? I, after everything I've just told you, and now I just want to go, you know what? Watch this. Just watch this. <laughs> and I, I kind of, it, it, it's, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of people out there that aren't ready to wake up. I'm sorry if that offends people listening to this. I, I really mean no offense at all. I say that out of absolute love. And I think that it was what you've done here. I see a lot of love in what you've created. Um, so I am going to, I'm all over the map here, Lubomir. But I, I, think, I think what that has done for me, it has reaffirmed for me on a deep personal level that art is absolutely necessary, that it is, it is mm-hmm. of the utmost importance. And you got me thinking about my career. Because, again, just, just on a bit of a tangent here, the... My, I thought my role as an artist, and maybe it is to some extent, but it gave me a new appreciation for it, I suppose. But my role, I thought, just create pretty pictures. Give people a distraction from what is going on. But the whole time I'm painting these landscapes and these seascapes or portraits or whatever and trying to create the most beautiful pictures I can create, the, the, mo- the best I can do, I'm trying to get the best out of myself. While that's going on, I'm educating myself on what's going on in the world. So there's this dichotomy, this, this darkness and this, this thing that is running the world. And, uh, mm. you know, because I come at it from a particular, you know, a Christian lens. Um, and, and I see that darkness as Satan. I, I do. That's just mm-hmm. where I'm coming from. And mm-hmm. I, know, I know I share that view with a lot of other Christians out there. But... A, there, there is this, this undercurrent running through. So while I'm researching all of this stuff about the way the world really works, I'm trying to create these beautiful landscapes. But you got me thinking, it's like maybe there's a way I could create some art that started just pointing at this. And I think great mm. art does that. It, it does more than just giving you a moment to go, ah, oh. it, it has something yeah. In there, that really makes you go, ah, or wow, or man, and just share it, talk about it. You've, you've now that that's been seen by over three million people on YouTube alone. 
I know probably elsewhere it's been seen by, by many more because it's been shared on social media and all of that. So it's probably gotten out there to more than 10 million people. And, and I, I'm sure it's had that effect with people, you know, uh, of just going, mm-hmm. whoa, dude, check this out. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, just to let you know, it really stirred something in me deeply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And that just validates uh, a lot of a lot of my intentions and the hard work <laughs> that I put in it. But you, you said a lot of great things. And I, I wanted to really go down like three or four tangents of what you mentioned. Please. And I, I think I very briefly, I want to say, first of all, in looking at your art, I, I just want to say there's um, what I feel and its purpose to me is is an invitation to look at the awesome beauty that emerges out of creation, right? And if we don't have that that attunement to beauty, then we are just these cogs in, in this functioning in the society, running through these circuits, playing a game that we did not even agree to. So what you're providing is an invitation, and as you hone your craft and you, you're super talented and skilled, the way I see it is, that deeper invitation for more and more immersivity and like in the composition and the way you you choose to illustrate that for for the audience i think gives us that greater feeling of being connected to something mysterious beyond us right something greater that is emerging um so i just wanted to validate your art in that way that's that it's doing and it's it's doing a necessary good you you know um um, and then I wanted to touch upon just the, the people who will not or do not want to wake up. And yeah, I think those of us who start going down the path of truth, for lack of a better term, we kind of want the others to jump on. We have this party with a community, with a camaraderie of, of hey, look at this and that, this curiosity, the sense of holding um, these disparate pieces of information that don't fit the official narrative yet they're there and we can't deny them and i think it's it's such a process of building that capacity to hold the discomfort that comes with anomalous data that completely shakes our worldview and and breaks it down and lifts, leaves us barren in a desert of meaninglessness like my whole life was built in the structure that government work works th- these ways right presidents act in these ways and that's all there is to it Hollywood and you know like the all these industries the banking system works in a way that's just like that so um, there's a great discomfort and a capacity of like of inner growth of individuation of individuality and that comfort needed to be able to stand apart from the crowd and withstand the scorn or the isolation for at least for a little bit all in the name of truth and being grounded in reality so it's a process and I you know, I kind of now, I, I just see that that's a choice and that's a choice for everyone's inner growth and the the the, cho- the choice to grow one's soul into a, a greater entity, which can really be here in love, compassion, growth, generation, as opposed to destructiveness, resentment, and all these other negative feelings that are being triggered right now all over the world. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to touch upon, you said, you know, from a Christian point of view, this is Satan. And yeah, so that framework overlays over what we see. And, you know, if we see, I, I'll propose that the satanic energy is one of materializing and limiting and like cutting off from spirit and, and, and keeping one bound to illusions, to sensual pleasures, to to 
non-gratified, like just things that never satisfy the fullness of our being, right? So it's the rat race. All these things you could say are satanic. They're the degenerative force of entropy in science, right? It's like if you don't put extra spirit, extra energy into something, it degenerates into nothing and it, and it goes back into matter, into, into just this automated process of nature. Whereas when it's infused with that greater spirit, with our consciousness, as we invited by clearing all the distortions and impurities of our personality, of our ego, uh, there's humility, but also courage to reach out, to be greater. Um, then then um, I think that the journey really starts rolling. So mm. those are those are the three things I just wanted to address. So sorry. With, and on that, like it's the reason I the reason I'm a Christian um, and this mind you, this is very new for me. I've only been Christian uh, for the last seven months. And and now it's mm. what I feel is the beginning of a lifelong journey. I don't get in the in the you know, I, I don't kind of limit that and say, okay, I'm a Christian. That means I fit into this framework. For me, this has kind of been a vehicle for uh, discovering more and more of that truth. And I feel that, again, that that satanic force and satanic energy, it's, I mean, you said it perfectly. It is, it is so entrenched in the physical in the here and now and, and materialism and actually making us by distracting us with everything that is titillating, everything that triggers the senses, everything that, that, that gives us that dopamine spike. And it keeps you locked in the here and now. And it actually just cuts you off from God or whatever you want to call that. But I, 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 for lack of a better word, I call it God. I can't define God. Um, and that's why, I, I'm, just on a side note, I'm, I'm such a fan of not necessarily the Tao, but the way the Tao was written, because I think it's a pretty good way of, of defining the undefinable. The first line of the Tao Te Ching is, is the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The minute we try to define this thing that is God, that is spirit, that is creativity, creation itself. Um, and again, I, I want to make sure that people don't get it twisted. I feel God is very separate to the creation. I'm not a pantheist. I, I feel that God is a creator and created the creation. So, but, but what the Tao did is it tried to, it, it, it summed this up by saying, listen, the minute we start talking about it, it ain't it. Because it's so beyond our perception alone. You know, it's so beyond what we, could, we can communicate with words. But, you know, it reminds me that, that the way this thing is set up is to just cut ourselves off from that, that bigger spiritual quest of communing with God. And... You know, it's almost like there was this there was this experiment in a lab where there was um, electrodes attached to this uh, rat's brain that when they triggered the electrode, it gave the rat an orgasm and the rat could actually trigger its own orgasm so by an electric plate. There was food, there was water there. There was, so there was a complete experiment set up and this thing just kept hitting that button and just kept <laughs> getting off. By hitting that mm -hmm. button, and it starved to death. It just kept going more, 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 more. And I was like, whoa, dude, I think we're mm -hmm. exactly the same. And so when I look yeah. at the, the opening frames of your film, I, I realized I have a problem because I'm sitting there doing this. 
who liked my post, you know, oh, I got to get back to this person. I, and, and it's like, it's insane. We're all that mm -hmm. rat in the cage hitting that button. And yeah. it just pulls us further and further and further away from finding ourselves and communicating with a higher power. Mm -hmm. Totally. And, and that's partly what I, in part what I wanted to illustrate and, and shadow was our complicity in the system of this disempowerment and, and illusions and sleep, uh, because that's our personality, right? We're born into this world uh, as a human organism that then has to be socialized in these ways of behaving in society. And of course, we have our uh, parental traumas and misunderstandings about reality based on you know, good or bad intentions by, by our parents. And so we start building the social persona, which can then successfully interface in this world in a way that we don't feel vulnerable and we feel like we have some sort of control. And so that sort of patterning that we have, that's our social mask. And that's, I just very, just very briefly, very, in a, in a way, cliched way, illustrated that with the social mask. And especially with social media right now, we're actually asked to constantly curate that mask, improve it, you know, install new app upgrades, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and it's because it hijacks our nervous system, our neurotransmitters, and it gives us these hits, these addictive hits of dopamine and the, this feeling of belonging. It's, it's very pernicious. So it really does trap us. So, mm, and, mm. and, and bringing, among the other things I try to bring up in, in, in shadow is by shedding light on that mechanism and on that, the, its presence, I'm inviting the audience to see it and be like, ah, okay, that's there. So I feel like a lot of art, conscious art has to be, the artist has to be peering into reality, making sense of it in a personal way, and then illustrating it in a it, it, all these things, we know these things, but artists have to keep reinventing them every decade, every year, every age. You know, we, we you can be saying the same things as the ancient Greeks, the Egyptians, etc. But we need to put it in our own cultural language so that people can continue to realize what this game is about. Mm -hmm. Don't forget yourself. You know, open to the reality. Be your own guide. Don't fall into other people's games and their narratives. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. yeah. And, and you do, you get these literary giants. I mean, back in the day, it was people like maybe Orson Welles or, or um, what's the guy's name? Uh, George Orwell. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, 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 you had in one of your, uh, one of the frames on the film, there's a news report and on the TV screen, there's a social mask with the jackboot pushed into the social mask. And there was a famous quote by Orwell that said, if you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stomping on, hu on, on a human face forever. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, it, dude, that's dark. It's actually dark. But if we're not careful, that's where we're going right now. And, and, yeah. you know, and again, your, your art and, and art has that potential to be able to do that. You know, I just a little bit of a side note though. Um, um, on, on that, just, I just want to highlight one of the frames because, <laughs> and this is a little bit of a tangent, but, um, so I, I've queued up these YouTube videos that I watch and, and bit shoot videos and I'm listening to talks and audiobooks and podcasts and just feeding my mind. And it's, it's almost never music unless I really need to hit the reset button. I just listen to my old favorite music over and over and over again. Then I get back into the, into the stuff. But there was on the, on the suggested videos panel on the side of YouTube, there was a whole bunch of other talks by other people. And you know how the suggested videos work, but there was one thrown in there going, I've never watched a dang rap video 
ever. Why the hell is this coming up? Mm. I can't remember their name. I cannot remember. Uh, it's something like um, uh, Dada, Dojo, Doja, something. I don't know. Some, some cloth-eared bent that uh, was dressed in... Well, she was hardly dressed. Hardly dressed. Just mm-hmm. wearing this. I clicked on it because for science right? And I, I watched it. And then, then I grabbed it and I grabbed the computer, took it, took it straight in to, to my wife and I just put it down and I, uh, you know, it was paused and I said, watch this. You're not going to believe this. Hit, hit it. And no age restriction on it at all, playing on YouTube, none. It was practically pornography. But then I was saying, mm-hmm. and I hit pause and I said, look at this frame. Isn't this exactly like that frame in In Shadow? where you get the, hmm. the star, the, this, this image of the female scantily clad and everybody's clamoring in the face of this. And again, it's that rat hitting that sensor over and over and over again. But it's amazing that, that mm-hmm. we're seeing this, you know, devolution or de-evolution, whatever the word is, of, of our culture getting further and further away from tradition further and further away from beauty and just it's going from beauty straight to smut and and i Mm -hmm. I wish i could remember because again i i I encourage people to try and find that video or let me know the name of it because just and they know you know by just watching rap videos i mean down here at the local cafe while people are eating their breakfast and drinking coffee she's got music videos playing and one morning, mm-hmm. it was just some guy with a stack of cash just doing this with the money. Yeah. And there were just girls' butts. And I'm like, this, this is a family place. There's porn. You're playing porn right now. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. amazing where we've gone. People aren't playing their totally. instruments. They're not singing songs. Yeah. They, they sing their trash, their garbage, which is about their, their, their bimbos in the club and their drugs and their guns in the trunk of the car or whatever. And they're all auto-tuned. So we've mm-hmm. completely, and that's just music, you know? Yeah, I would, I would even make the argument, and I kind of alluded to it in, in Shadow, that, you know, rap was such a powerful instrument of, of communication when it, it, at its inception that it had to be subverted and brought into this, like, lowest, you know, common denominator. And, you know, it's, it's one of the, one part of this, like, whole game we're playing is the age we're at right now. It's like, everything's allowed. You can do whatever you want, but there's a danger, you can literally meaning you can do what you want but like in that you can lose yourself you can lose yourself to your lower impulses and get stuck in there and and that's it game over you know 50 years later it's that's all you did was sensually gratifying yourself to to some some dead spiritual dead end right um and and yeah this this proliferation of of free pornography uh, uh, sexualized images everywhere um, you know, they they they're put out under the guise of, you know, um, sexual liberation, etc. I, I don't know if that's liberation exactly because people are not liberated when they're addicted to sexual gratification. Like how many of my peers, my friends have, you know, I'll include myself in this, have lost how much time and energy have we lost looking at pornography? Yeah. Right. How much of that adventurous, rebellious energy to create, yeah. to move out into the world yeah. is being lost right now into pornography, yes. into sort of degenerating these women, most of them abused, that people just continually give their life energy to mm-hmm. in the form of like, you know, inner substance and real energy um, and continuing the cycle. So, yeah, these are real, real issues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there was something about this, and and I know it's a hot button topic, and uh, you know right now in particular, um, 
but there, there was something about that, about the destruction of the family um, through that, that kind of rap that you were, you were showing. And, and there was this image where, you know, you showed the family and then the father was removed from the picture, then the mother was removed, and then you just left with the, the young male there. And then, and then it just kind of whips into to other imagery there. But it was, this really mm. is a way of attacking um, the family unit. I mean, and, and you said something else there that, yeah, it, it, we're, we're allowed to say anything, anything goes kind of thing, but, but also unless you're saying, unless you're telling the truth, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. So that's not what yeah. I meant. I just want to, no, 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 for wanna, sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 yeah I but just I, meant, I guess we're allowed to do and explore and think about everything, but that's where the trap is now. Right. It's like, yeah. you could go some dark tunnels and, you know, enslave your soul. <laughs> yeah. But, so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, it's just, it's just, there, there's almost, Virgil Elliott um, said it best in, in my conversation with him, um, and he was saying this in relation to painting, that, you know, talking about painting is like dancing about architecture, you know, right. and uh, I, I love that so much, but there's so many different directions uh, that, that I want to go in here, and again, just getting back to the film. Uh, you're, you mentioned before you're um, and again, for, forgive me for jumping all over the place, uh, but it's such a treat to talk to you. You, you. you mentioned that earlier on that you were really influenced by Frank Frazetta towards the end of the film when you had the male, the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And again, that's just my interpretation of the image you put up there on the screen together holding that sword. It was like, man, that's that, that he, this guy must be a Frazetta fan. Like, cause that was just, <laughs> that hit the button for me. I got three Frazetta books sitting over there on the bookshelf. I, I, I loved right Frazetta, on. you know, growing up in particular. Yeah. Yeah. But um, such a powerful image. Ultimately the film has a, a, a happy ending or, or a positive end, a profoundly positive end. Are you optimistic? I am optimistic, yeah. And there are various levels in which I can qualify my optimism. Um, overall, as the fate of humanity, I, I, you know, I don't know where it will go. But I am, as I do more and more inner work, my, my understanding, my understanding of this whole game, um, brings the power back to me and everything I can control. And all I can control are my perceptions, my conduct, my virtue, my choices, right? Within this big game. And the way that I perceive the outer world is how I experience it. So if I'm constantly projecting my own inner discord that I haven't worked out into the world, whether that's like blaming people for certain things um, in traffic or wherever it is, or um, painting it with a glossy airbrush, like everything's okay. It's, you know, it's all beautiful. That like, whatever it is, I, I am learning that I own my perceptions and I am in a way, while I am in this reality, I'm also creating my experience of it. So my conduct, my being with fellow human beings is all I can offer. Everything else that's outside of my control, I can map, I can track it. And of course, you know, based on the film, you can tell that that's just like yourself. That's something I'm earnest in doing because it makes sense for me to be oriented in the truthful reality as much as I can by, you know, consuming all this data and, and making conjectures and, and working models out of it. So am I positive overall? I think we're in this bifurcation point and that's, you know, I made the film also anticipating what we're coming into and we'll see what that is but uh, it's and you know 
that's why the end part was necessary. Many people react to that part the strongest. Mm -hmm. But I kept it small and short, one, because I'm learning myself what it means to fully awaken. And two, it's most, most important right now to really show the darkness that we need to acknowledge, understand and see and understand its mechanics and how it works, how it manipulates us, divides us, plays up on our traumas and brings us against each other in a way that puts the veil over our eyes. So I, I thought that was the necessary first step in order for us to go to the next step. So I'm, I am, so, so in this bifurcation point, I think we can go to, uh, yeah, there, there are two scenarios that I see playing out. Um, I think being, being a little judicious here, I'm not going to mention exactly what those are, but, but in, in a very broad way, it's, yeah, it's either tyranny or freedom. And right now we have tyranny presented to us, packaged as freedom. Yeah. You know, packaged as justice. Yeah. And this is where we're being played against each other yeah. so that we can point our finger to really what's going on yeah. uh, and to seeing our, our commonality. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am positive for my, my own. I can only speak for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't even speak for my family and those around me. I'm positive for the sanctity of my own being, no matter what my end is, mm -hmm. gruesome or glorious in this world. Um, the, the sort of inner temple that I, I'm, I'm building is, is all I can account for. And I'm very positive for that because I am on my way to more honesty, more truth. Uh, you know, I fall into the pits of projecting my issues on others. I, you know, have to deal with my own, own sense of shame, guilt, all these things, but it's, it's yeah. Moving forward. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I hope collectively we are, I think, I think we are at that point right now where people either, um, kind of wake up about what's going on um, and make some real changes and make a stand now uh, or you know we, we do have the potential to lose what we think we had which was freedom but then now I question again you highlight it perfectly in your film did we ever really have freedom you know there's there's something um, you know, there's a few frames in there. I mean, if people looked into um, the way money was created in particular, you, you'd mm -hmm. question whether we actually ever had a free society or a free market, you know, and, and yeah. what, what, what have we been doing? Um, the minute I woke up to the fact that I was a, a debt slave from birth and that taxation is theft and essentially illegal, you know, people, and, and if people have an issue with me saying that, just look into it, look into mm -hmm. it, look into the Federal Reserve Act, look into how this, this was all created and look into fiat currency and realize right now that the cash that's in your wallet is backed by nothing. And it's mm -hmm. practically worthless by design to turn you into a, a, you know, a consumer, a commodity yourself, and then eventually yeah. uh, a useless eater that can be you know, essentially mm -hmm. terminated. This is where we're headed. And, and, but there's a bigger value that we have that was given to us by our creator. And again, it's all highlighted in that film. This is just another one of those powerful images that you, you brought about. I, I, I'm curious to know, Lubomir, where, where, when did you, when did you first kind of have that aha moment that, things were, were not all as they seemed like when when was that point in your life could you take us back to that time where you're just like whoa it's bullshit 
It's all bullshit. Because hmm. I'm, I'm convinced hmm. you had one of those moments. You couldn't not have had one of those moments. I mean, I'm watching the dang film. You know it's bullshit. Yeah. You know it's all bullshit. Yeah. So, so w- yeah. was there a time where you just like you woke up all of a sudden? You know, unfortunately, I don't. I can't point to one certain moment, but it was. I think it was the first time I ingested psilocybin mushrooms and experienced uh, the unraveling of reality as I was this adopted model of reality, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just this this other. In- form of intelligence that was emerging through me and recontextualized reality i think that was the beginning of it unraveling now you know before that i had dabbled into in you know philosophy and many other disciplines but when that happened i started going into the um the a lot of earth traditions around the world whether it's like from my land or the land around the world and started looking deeper into you know organized systems of thought and um but yeah yeah i don't really have didn't really have an aha moment that i can that'd be nice and juicy to to relay but i i I can't remember it yeah i think it was a cumulative step of unfoldings that was just that that gave me that overall sense yeah i'd I'd have to say me too it was bit by bit but i i as i heard things oh by the way you remember that big event you remember it's not well just be aware that's not what they told you it was when somebody told me that i'm not going to mention what it is because i'll totally get my ass deleted but uh but a you know at at first when i heard about that i i uh, um i was angry at the person isn't it amazing that i'm now i'm actually i'm actually censoring myself right now I think that mm-hmm. mission accomplished. <laughs> Thank you, overlords. Well, I'm actually pulling up my own language right now and not saying what I actually really want to bloody say because I'm yeah. worried that my social media is going to get taken away. Don't take away my social media, my, my precious dopamine. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no. The level, the, the, the bandwidth, the, the spectrum of, of allowable discourse right now is so tiny. Oh, and man. every everything else gets censored and pushed to the side. And when you speak to more uh, to people oriented to sort of like normal mainstream reality, they're not aware of this yet. Yeah. It's it's a it's an apocalypse as far as expression right now. So anyone leaning away from just this thin band of corporate created, it's not just corporate. It's this you know of course this whole structure, but it's of this this one allowed form of discourse is is pushed to the side. So. I think we have as a community and those who seek to communicate honestly and discover this emerging reality through communicating and, 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 and sharing and, and, and debating, whatever it, it is, we have to find a way to, to, be, to speak about these things. And I'm not sure what the answer is yet, but for instance, you, wanna, you provide a lot of value to your viewers with your platform. And, and I see it. And I, you know, as I've surveyed uh, your, your body of work, it's excellent and and it would be a shame for you to sacrifice that you know for a moment of truthfulness unless i guess it really matters and it's a Mm. shifting utterance of truth and and the question is how do you weigh those two like do you you know do you provide value in this one way and keep quiet in another or Mm. it's we have a lot of interesting questions emerging for all of us yeah yeah especially youtube creators like yourself yeah I, i was doing a live stream uh on instagram um a little while ago and uh, <laughs> after I did it, my dad, I, my dad and I were talking on the phone, and um, he said, uh, "He said I watched your live stream." And I'm like, "How did you even do that? I didn't know Dad knew I was doing live streams, but now he's checking up on me." 
and I love my father. I really do. Uh, but he said, he said, I loved everything about your live stream. It was excellent, except for one part. <laughs> and I said, what was that? I knew what he was going to say. He said, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Jeff Berwick, that you, you were watching him. And um, if people watch Jeff Berwick, I mean, the way my dad said, he said, people don't want to know about tacos and kisses. And a little inside joke for you Jeff Berwick fans out there. Um, but because dad's seen it as well and dad's kind of onto what's going on he said andrew shut up shut your mouth like you're like what 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 the hell are you doing right now just put a lid on it and this this is fighting inside myself this is probably turning into therapy but this is this is this is a fight with with me inside it's it's like yeah speak the truth, do this. Like, I mean, this is why I, I guess I've got the utmost respect for you and admiration because I watched that. I'm just like, this guy does not give a shit. Like he's just, he's just boom, throwing it out there. I mean, maybe you care, obviously you care, but I mean, it's like, it just seemed like there would have been this moment, screw it, whatever. Like you don't hold back. I mean, there's a picture of a politician sitting at a desk and the desk photo is a slice of pizza. I'm not going to explain what that means, but you really are just putting it all out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we have we have to. You know what? Like, how much? For how long can we crawl on the earth and slither around and live on our knees? No, no. Now we have to be smart about it. Yeah. But uh, also be defiant to all these lies. Again, it's all consent. I yeah. like. I simply do not consent. To these realities that I'm imp- are imposed on me, and the horror that I think what is well, it is emerging. We're seeing a groundswell of this. It's it's going to be quite unreal for people to to swallow the truth of these things that you just mentioned, right? Okay. They're horrible truths. So ten years ago, when I started digging into the reality of that, it was and speaking to my friends about it. You know, my my friends generally respect my opinion, and you know, I generally ground my my uh, conclusions into truth um corroboration uh, truth that's <laughs> into co- and corroboration mm-hmm. good sound research etc so these topics i was they were the darkest topics i could not believe this was happening but i made sure to know that this okay yeah. this is this is substantiated and now 10 years later we're seeing um uh, a critical mass of awareness of this backed up by by real information and I'm not sure how people will make sense of it that we're not we're not warmed up to this to this reality, mm. you know. But um, yeah, exactly. So it's one of those one of those things. If if I had said it in any more of an explicit way, it could have gotten me canceled because that specific issue, you know, many people have lost their lives over. And and you know, I'm being a bit dramatic here. I'm just an artist, you know, putting some. Uh, I I have a lot of plausible deniability built into in shadow, right? Mm. So while I was calibrating its imagery for a certain impact to communicate certain ideas i also had to make sure that it's it won't be thrown out it's like the don't throw out the baby with out with the bathwater. but also i could have plausible deniability for any of the images mm-hmm. and how they're interpreted because after all they're just images yeah. so uh yeah, yeah well that that politician he just really likes eating pizza i mean yeah that's what, it what, what, what's, what's it mean you know it's fine yeah um yeah man um so let, let's say there's somebody listening to this podcast right now and they haven't shut us off right now. And mm-hmm. they're, they're just kind of going, all right, what the hell are you guys talking about? What are you talking about? Um, 
there's this uh, quote, maybe we can riff on this for a bit, but just to give a, an example of a particular dynamic that is actually happening today in the world and with the current situation. And this is something that's kind of alluded to in, in your film in, in more ways than one, but just kind of the nature of the system. Right now in the, in the US federal government, you've got regulatory agencies um, like the EPA, the, um, the FDA, uh, the CDC, you've got these, or, or, you know, government bodies, so to speak. So the, these are government agencies hold and, and as the watchdogs over um, big business and, and, and to make sure they're not run rampant. Th those, those government organizations like the EPA and, and the FDA, EPA is stacked full of ex-big oil employees. CEOs, bosses, all that sort of stuff. So the FDA is stacked full of uh, big pharma, big agra, big chemical uh, ex-executives. Mm -hmm. Look it up. That's a fact. So mm -hmm. who's, this is a regulatory body that is designed to keep the, the interest of the people in mind, yet it turns around and it's actually looking after the companies. And I live in an area right now just to give people, like when you wake up to this, you'll see it like literally in your area. Right now, in the beautiful rolling green hills of Lawrence, at a particular time of year, they spray wholesale the side of the hillside, mm -hmm. killing the ground. When they kill the ground to kill all the weeds and stuff, they then turn the earth and then they plant kale and they plant... Uh, you know, Swedes and that sort of stuff. And they have a winter mm -hmm. crop for the livestock to eat during the winter. And then it gets converted back to pasture. The, in order to bring the ground back again, they then dump hmm. massive amounts of fertilizer. This is then running off into the streams. And it's killing all of the amphibians and all the fish. And we know it's killing all the amphibians and fish because we can talk to old timers here in this town who remember catching tadpoles in the streams with nets when they were kids. And they send their grandchildren down, oh, you're going to catch a tadpole. Sorry, granddad, no more tadpoles, no more fish. There haven't been fish here in decades. Now, what's happening then is we actually live here in the south of New Zealand in a cancer hotspot. No one knows why. People are absolutely clueless. But these companies have come in They've bought the government. They run these nationwide. These, these little country districts and towns and areas are lobbied by these very companies to buy that chemical to run this system, which is the, the, it's the opposite of health, opposite of health for the environment, opposite for health for humanity. You know, the, the mm -hmm. the, the, these chemicals that are being sprayed wholesale on the landscape cause cancer we know they cause cancer they cause cancer in the mm -hmm. animals they cause cancer in human beings and they destroy the environment now yeah why are we still doing it and we're still doing yeah. it because no one knows because the minute the story gets out there it gets removed it gets pulled well yeah even if it has an opportunity to get out there why aren't any editors seeking to do these these stories and yeah. why are new you know all newscasts why are late night talk show hosts ridiculing people or anyone who actually brings these issues up who is curating our information in a way that people think it's all ridiculous and only these things only happen in movies yeah. right now i'm speaking to like what is that dynamic that happens like for instance i think it was in 2019 wasn't there a man in the states who won a, i think it was like a 20 million dollar i don't know the number yeah. a case against monsanto for yeah. this this particular chemical yeah um so so this is a reality now why if if 
you know, the, the world health uh, experts are really interested in our health. Mm. Why haven't they banned the substance now, mm-hmm. especially given this ruling in a federal court? Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't journalists writing about it, warning us about it? Mm. People, people should really ask themselves these questions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They're, they're the hard questions, man. And, and again, um, to bring it back to your film, th- these are these it's just laid out plainly, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, but the thing that I liked about your film is that it's just in 13 minutes, you touched on every single facet of society that, that I could think of anyway. Maybe there's more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But but for me, it was like those those big ones. You know, we've got some sort of military industrial complex. We've got big pharma, big agriculture, you know, food creation. We've got things that are running our culture, entertainment, you know, movies and music, and then our technology as well. And, and everything is just it's it. And it, what we tend to do, and I think this is part of it's an artifact of the system itself, is we tend to compartmentalize and we focus on pieces without seeing the big picture, the whole thing. And, and this is, again, one of those things in this film is it you can see clearly how everything relates to to everything mm-hmm. else. It, it ties together as a whole for one set reason, which is the destruction. This is just my interpretation, what I got out of your film, destruction of humanity. So when I look at it through through the Christian lens, I see this as the work of Satan to destroy God's creation and destroy his, his beloved children. Um, and, and when you come at it from the Christian lens, you realize that Satan was given free reign over this world. Um, and this is he is the God of this world. And it's almost like there's a deal between uh, mm-hmm. Satan and, and God to say, right, you have free reign. My, my children are going to choose me, though, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it, it, this almost seems like a, a, a proving ground of sorts. I'm still really mm-hmm. trying to unpack these huge ideas for myself. But again, sure. it, it's, it's, it's that awareness when you shine the spotlight of awareness onto it, um, then the choice becomes clear. You know, it becomes absolutely mm-hmm. crystal clear. You have to choose something else. Totally. And, and I just want to, for the benefit of the audience, anyone who maybe, you know, doesn't subscribe to the Christian worldview particularly or, mm-hmm. or does whatever, I just want to give a, a framework that fits perfectly into that because it's mm-hmm. a, our world culture, world history, that's the essence of it and that's the hero's journey, yes. right? So if we look at it from a mythological structure um, or even like a uh, trans site transpersonal psychological structure like a Jungian kind of framework mm-hmm. it's we come into this world uh, living in unconsciousness and unconsciousness just means we repeat patterns of behavior that we are not in charge of so we are in a way in reaction to the world mm-hmm. and the way the world comes into us we just sort of react and that's where you know culture can be created imposed on people and people can just sort of like stumble their way through it so that's how we start out. But then we're, we are called on this journey, uh, this call to action. And we either accept it because it's challenging and it's disturbing or we deny it. At which point we wither and we sort of like just die off as, as many of our fellow humans, I think, are doing. And many of us are just trying to stay afloat and, and, and earn through our inner work that light of consciousness where we com- communicate and integrate and embody something greater. Right. And that greater aspect only comes through the hardship and the anguish of facing the shadow, the darkness within us and without uh, outside of us. 
And so only when we map that, we face it, we address it, we, you know, we do battle and battle can involve love and anger, right? Just anger, et cetera, many aspects. Do we then clarify, clarify to the point of earning the boon, which we bring back to the village, to the people, to our fellows, to our family, in which we can say, I have gone through the journey. I speak from experience and I've earned my, that's when our words carry weight because people know that there's there's an inherent knowing when a person is speaking from experience and, and attainment and so i just wanted to give that that mm. that that framework because i agree with exactly everything you're saying and wanted to kind of hit it from another point of view as well for sure for sure yeah uh, but i i think this is this is one of those things that i mean that's the story of of uh jesus of sorts i mean is is a hero's journey type story yeah. Um, and depending on mm -hmm. how you want to interpret that, I mean, that's, that's exactly the interpretation I take. Um, but, mm -hmm. um, it's extraordinary. So with, I, I've spoken about this in the podcast before, um, let's just jump onto a, a different track with Amir. Um, with, with the podcast and the way the podcast originally, originally started was just trying to get a take for how people ran, you know, the, the business side of things and how they made it as a creative professional. And I'm curious, again, seeing as what we're talking here with, with the film and what's happening currently in the world, like right now with the pandemic, uh, what, what, where do you see yourself going? Like, how are you gonna pitch, move and adapt within this changing world? And maybe, maybe what would you, what advice would you offer to young people that are just, just kind of waking up, maybe a young person is listen, listening to this right now, and maybe this is part of their awakening process, and they're going, shit, this is not what I thought it was. I've been lied to about everything. I've been, essentially, I've been a prisoner in a government indoctrination camp called a school. And, and now, what am I going to do with my life and my career? So uh, may, there's, there's a few questions in there, but I'd love to hear about what you're going to do now in the face of a changing world, um, because, you know, they're tanking the economy right now. How do you adapt and move? And what advice would you have for, for some younger people out there, you know, wanting mm. to jump into something creative? Mm, that's a tough question. I, I wish I could be very helpful to young people. I'm not sure I can be, but I can maybe work my way into this by just speaking into like maybe my journey or where I'm at and perhaps some okay. sort of a, <clears throat> something instructive can come out of that. But where do I see myself? So first and foremost, I don't have to do art. Um, that's I've made peace with that. I don't have to do it. I don't have to work in animation. I don't have to do anything. I mean, I have to provide, uh, yeah, sustenance, <laughs> uh, you know, for my body and that's it. So, it's see the issue here is um my mentor said he, he has this phrase that says uh how free can you afford to be and you know currently i i can't afford to be too free because i've just put myself and I'm, I'm employed right now by one of the streaming services i'm directing a tv series and it's like yeah i can i'm still free to express myself maybe not to the extent that i wish to um, you know, given my views on, on media overall. So I don't want to be bound in any sort of form of servitude to compromise my truth, my integrity, just so that I can be given an award or a, a bone, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or to work on some perceivably sexy project. I don't care. I, I don't care about that. I don't. 
So what I'm doing right now is I'm taking jobs that um, hone my craft, that um, I, in which I can work with other people and learn from, work with good people, uh, and which can just hone my craft to the degree where I can make something more impactful. Now, um, I do have some things pending in front of me that could be very good for art in general, my expression, and of course, the audience. Uh, so it would be just a bigger project. And I'm, I'm not going to go into details, but the way I've done things is there's a tendency, of course, to worry about the next project, the next gig, where money will come from. And um, I don't know how this happened to me, but I, I sort of let that worry go. It still catches me and still starts, you know, spinning tails here and there. I usually let that go. And, and this is where this is not practical advice, but this is my truth. I sort of surrender to the process of what needs to happen. And my intention is truth, good craft, service to the world, deep purpose of myself. That means working on myself and any of the gifts coming from my own personal inner work and my emerging and greater understanding. I would like to elucidate those with my craft to the world and be informed by the world again so I can do a, a better job at that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so if that means, you know, being backed by money that's coming from a greater, you know, like being funded by whatever corporation, and if I can do that and I can make that work, then I'm open to it. If that doesn't happen, I'm completely fine just dropping everything and being like, fine, I, my life <laughs> is my art. My communication with other human beings, with my loved ones is my art. How do I hone that? So you can see that that's not a very practical way to to uh, not a very practical advice, perhaps. It sounds good, but it, it is it is true. Yeah, it sounds it sounds good, and I mean it, it's it works for me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, there's something in that. Uh, I I feel that when I'm on purpose and I'm kind of telling the truth uh, for myself, I I don't really like to use the the term, but I totally get what you mean. Uh, that the my truth. I just try to hone in on what is the truth. Um, there is a certain practicality to it, of course. You, you've, like I've mentioned here, like I've avoided really going into particular things because I don't want to get my ass deleted. But I think I think there's a a certain point where you where you feel like you're on purpose, right? You feel like you're you're living the authentic self that you're supposed to be. And, and that's where I find a lot of those rewards and things start coming through. And rewards for me is, as you say, sustenance. It really is just sustenance. I mean, mm -hmm. one of the things I've said to, to young people in particular, um, these ideas of having like the, these riches and fame or, or the, this wild success, like what, what do you think that it means? Define success. For me, success is owning my own house, not a mansion, I live in a tiny little house in the middle of the countryside in New Zealand. And my mm. idea of success is chopping wood and carrying water. That's it. Like, mm. and, and, but I can afford the firewood and I, I have the ability to get water. And, and that, what that is is just a metaphor for simple living, simple, clean, wholesome living. And that's it. You know, lower your overheads. Like how many beds mm -hmm. can you sleep in? How many meals can you eat at one time? You know, sustenance. Yeah. Just, yeah. And, you know, your words actually inspired me to say some things because, yes, to the dear young people that may be listening, I, I do want to say some things. And, you know, it's if I were to give any advice 
it would be don't get caught in the glamour of 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 this of any any of the markets that you may work in as an artist don't get caught in to, in the sort of being a, a schmoozer and a scenester there are there are these are you get poor rewards and no sustenance of your soul or your craft when you try to uh, get the numbers or the likes or the views but even beyond that just to be a even that inner game of trying to be some sort of name that's recognizable will inherently pervert your nature because you will try to act in a way that is not truthfully yours. You will not have an authentic voice and you will, your soul will always be hungry for more and more nutrient nutrition from the outside, which you will never adequately get. So spend that time on the front end of really working, even if it has to be in silence and, and sort of obscurity, create that solid base, create that solid base, the inner game, and the skills necessary and have your eye and open your your heart open to what is your purpose what do you want to do with your art if it's making enough money to sustain a family great make sure you're good at that make sure you have good conduct with your colleagues you have a good you know rapport with 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 uh, your clients uh, if it's doing meaningful art that that is geared towards something well yeah, learn the vernacular, the, the 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 symbolic and visual grammar. See what what issues you may want to address, and are you aligned to truth? Are you aligned to something helpful? Um, but I would just say, don't do not get swept up by the madness of building an artificial, synthetic persona online. It's not going to get you anywhere, and you will pay for it later. Absolutely. Wow. But listen, man, that, that is, that is so well said. I don't think I could add anything to that at all. Um, I, and, and in fact, as you were saying that I'm like, there's the trailer for the podcast. <laughs> so I'll snip that little bit out. Right on. Um, you know, but, uh, isn't it interesting nowadays that, um, you know, it, it has become, you know, when we look at technology and these platforms and these mediums, it's become so much about how many follows and likes and stuff that we have. I've gotten to a point now where I, I'm blessed to have a lot of people following me and have interaction with a lot of people. But now I can't even look. I, I, I started freaking out when it hit 100,000 people on YouTube. And now it's up around 300,000. I know there's people out there with a lot more, but like it just, it doesn't. I can't even figure out what that means in my brain. And the minute I start thinking about the numbers and getting involved in a numbers game, I, I lose it. I start creating like absolute crap. And, and I want my videos to mean something. I want my paintings to mean something. I want it to be like honest. I don't ever want to game the system. So I'm getting something where uh, I'm going for, and people can see like you're doing this to just go for likes. I never wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. Like I've now gotten to the point where I, I've taken a hiatus for a couple of months because um, I got nothing to post, man. I got nothing to post and people are like, where's the new video? Where's and I, I love that people are hungry for the new video or the new thing, but I needed to take a, you know, some time out and, and I, I, had, mm -hmm. I had nothing to post. So why would I, I stay it. there and just keep <laughs> be that rat, yeah. keep hitting that, that electric plate, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, I know it's like, do you want to, um, to create fluff for uh, 5 billion people or something meaningful for a thousand? Like I, immediately it seems right that it's meaningful to a thousand people who will yeah. get something out of it as opposed to a million who will get 
entertainment for 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever. Exactly, you know man. I, and, yeah. and it's it's creating something that's real, that's going to last, that's going to mean something to those people. I, I mm -hmm. used to, because um, I've, I've now been in a couple of positions, I used to teach workshops to like, say, 10 people at a time. And I was interacting with each and every one of those people and having real conversations. And we're having like a real moment there. Real relationships were built from that experience. And that seems so much more... Uh, important sometimes than doing a mm. video and having it go out there to a million people. And it's like, I, I can't even think about that. I can't even think mm -hmm. about that because I never saw anybody watching it going, that's so cool. I, I mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm sure they did, but you know, whereas in real time I can talk to another human being and, and it's, it's a little bit, it, it just, it feels more natural. I think that's what we're meant mm -hmm. to be doing. You know? Yeah, it's real communication and connection as opposed to this uh, imagined one when the numbers exponentially increase. Yeah, it's, it becomes very abstract. The audience becomes more faceless. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You so know? Yeah. seeing as we're talking a little bit about, um, you know, these things out there on screens that don't really matter much, I almost cringe. But I'm curious as to the show that you're working on at the moment and, and for what streaming services. Is this, is this something that we can look forward to seeing in the near future? Mm, yeah, I guess I can speak about it. Um, well, it's been announced. So it's uh, I'm at, I'm directing some episodes for a remake of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe uh, for Netflix. There are two slated releases. One is uh, one is yeah one is the cont continuation of the old series, and we are doing a reimagining. So uh, yeah, we're working with Mattel and uh, Netflix to make this series. It's it's been actually very very rewarding as far as entertainment for young people goes. And again, honing my craft, my directorial craft, uh, and dealing with the team, putting a story together, making it exciting, having those you know ups and downs, the rhythm of of, of jubilation, of of tragedy, of of horror, of action. Mm -hmm. So um, again, for my own craft, it's been great. Awesome. Um, as far as my you know, my my personal take on things, my flavor of artistry, it's evident in some subtle ways, but you'd never know it, right? Uh, if you just saw the series. Mm -hmm. um, but I am developing some stuff, and you know that may or may not happen. And those I those are meaningful, meaningful stories that I'm uh, I'm working on right now. I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, I I I was a mm -hmm. big fan of He Man uh, as a kid. So I, I'm, I'm really mm -hmm. looking forward to seeing that, dude. And like when it comes out, I'll have mm -hmm. to restart my Netflix subscription because there was too much agenda shit on that platform. Yeah. So I was like, I'm done with Netflix, but I will sign back up again and watch that, you know. Yeah, um, awesome. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, just uh, one, one more question on that, though, like because, again, I'm just I'm just kind of curious. Have you ever got anybody, you know, in a professional sense, watch your film in shadow and then turn around and go, hey, Lubomir? Knock it off. You want another job, don't you? Shut up. Has mm. that ever happened mm. to you? Or do you no, think it it's, do you that think it's be... cost you professionally in any way? Um, I think probably with some 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 colleagues probably see me in a different way, and they probably would not call me. I imagine for, but it hasn't overall, um, and not not everyone has seen it. So uh, yeah, I've had some. I've had some reactions, which I think betrayed the, the feeling of, of, of these individuals.
individuals, but it's fine. I, I get it. It's also the, the, the type of narrative of in shadow, I think, can bypass a lot of people's cognition. Like it, it just won't register based on their view of reality. So, you know, you're pretty current in that sort of grammar. So it's in a way it's kind of preaching to the choir and hopefully inspiring something. But I did make it for a general audience as well. That's why I had to simplify certain aspects and use this really uh, appealing pop culture art so that I could, in a way, you know, I want to touch upon this and share this with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It may have cost me some jobs, but I, I wouldn't have known. And I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with what I'm doing. So, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to tell you, it's funny when I, when I was figuring out the style of foreign shadow and that was, um, <clears throat> an ongoing battle of, you know, doubt and this is not good enough. And thinking of some of my animation peers that I really respect whose craft is, you know, quite, quite immaculate and inspiring and i felt like man if i do this for the animation audience i have to really touch it up and make it feel like super super nice but then i'm like but i'm not making it for an animation audience this is not craft specific Mm -hmm. this is art for really for the people so i had to you know forgive myself and and all these i had to make a lot of shortcuts and make this happen on pretty much no budget um, and I just want to give a shout out to basically it wasn't, you know, just me, uh, the two gentlemen who helped um, bring this to life, who composited all the images, all the illustrations I made uh, were um, Sheldon Lisoy and um, Haram Gifford. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very talented uh, compositors and, and they really brought this to life, as you know, as you can tell, uh, given the very limited source material we were working with. Mm. just so this could come to life with no budget but i i just wanted to say it's funny because i was looking at advertising and a lot of the creatives in advertising who i i I see so much talent there which uh has you know is subservient to image prestige and corporate corporate agendas and greed and it saddened me when i was making in shadow i was going through behance.net seeing a lot of beautiful projects in service to you know, to nonsense, to this dark empire. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost like our, our fellow creatives um, out of necessity and out of choice a lot of times, um, you know, just have to sell, sell their talent to this greater sorcery in a way. And so I started taking a lot of cues of that visual imagery to basically stealing empire's own techniques and putting them in, in shadow. So that I can now counteract that and and sort of uh, have a counter message in a very appealing, darkly grotesque way. Absolutely. And I gotta say though that that music track that runs through the film, mm-hmm. haunting. Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And that that I mean, yeah, of course, the most powerful is the impact of those visuals. But you know, if you got the mm-hmm. wrong track on there, it just wouldn't have have made it. But that creates such uh, an atmosphere you know that mm-hmm. that beat and yeah. that, that i don't know what it is it's a synth but it's the dee 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 kind of plays through it it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't even make the noise but people who have watched mm-hmm. the film now hopefully uh, will, will know exactly what i'm saying and you'll you'll probably hear totally. that ringing in your head <laughs> as you're playing through the film <laughs> in your mind you know man yeah powerful mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. lubomir this has been such a treat and a joy talking to you uh, again apologies for the terrible questions and being all over the map but i was just giddy with excitement just to get you on the podcast it's been a real honor 
likewise, thank you, Andrew, for bringing me on for this wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed uh, our discourse. Well, I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Creative Endeavor podcast, and a massive thank you to Lubomir Arsov for joining me. Now, you can find Lubomir's work on Instagram at Lubomir Arsov, that's L-U-B-O-M-I-R-A-R-S-O-V. He can also be found on YouTube. Simply type in In Shadow, A Modern Odyssey, and you'll find that film that we've been talking about. Make sure you click that link in the show description also that's accompanying this podcast. And the film itself has got its own website. Simply visit inshadow.net. Now, it is such a huge honor to have guests like Lubomir on the show, and I really could not do this without you. That's right, you, the listener. It helps so much when you leave a rating or a review, or share the episode with your friends and your families. When you do that, you help me get the Creative Endeavor podcast out there to more people. And I've recently done something which might have been a little bit of a mistake, if I'm honest, but I separated the Creative Endeavor away from my YouTube channel and now created its own channel. And consequently, since doing that, no one knows where to find it. So I really need your help here. Could you take this episode, if you got something out of it, if you enjoyed this, or any of the other episodes that you've heard of this podcast, please just take a moment and share this with your friends and family. Share it to Instagram, to Facebook, via email, wherever you like. Tell people about it. Every little bit helps. Now, I'm doing these for free. This is a real passion project for me. And I want to continue to do that. And I really could not do it without you. So thank you so much for taking this episode and sharing it far and wide. I really appreciate you sharing the love. You know by now where to find me. I can be found on my website at andrewtischler.com. And while you're there, hit that subscribe tab into your name and email address. Why would you want to do that? Well, very simply, I always send out my YouTube tutorials 24 hours before they go live on YouTube, which gives us a chance to interact in that comment section. I also let my subscribers know when I've released a full tutorial and they always get a great discount at the checkout when that happens. Now, subscribing costs you absolutely nothing. So stay in touch with me by subscribing there. Go to www.andrewtischler.com slash subscribe and I'll see you there. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure having your company here once again. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you again very, very soon in another episode of The Creative Endeavor. Mm-hmm.